In this morning, in addition to uh, celebrating communion, we will also have a ceremony of ordination and installation of uh, ruling elders for this congregation. So in just a bit, uh, we will ordain Junia Paulus as a uh, ruling elder for Queen Anne Presbyterian Church, and we will install both Junia and Dwight Highland to active service uh, for the church. Um, Dwight has previously been ordained as a ruling elder and is now coming back into active service in that role. So in order for us to be able to take enough time to appreciate both that ceremony and our sacrament, um, I'm just going to jump right into the heart of our story for this morning. And the delightful serendipity of this morning is that the action that we will take in ordination and installation is essentially a result from, uh, that comes out of this story, this text. But in order for us to better understand that connection, we need to answer two questions. First is, why did Jesus get baptized at all? And what does it mean for us? So the first question, why did Jesus get baptized? The Jewish people had had baptism as a part of their uh, faith for a long time before John and Jesus and our story for this morning. But until John showed up, uh, baptism was used only to connect someone to the Jewish faith who had not been born into it. So uh, God, you know, centuries before had made a covenant with the 12 tribes of Israel to be their God and they would be God's people. So if you were born into one of those 12 tribes, you were born into the covenant. You were part of the covenant family. Every now and then, someone who had not been born uh, into one of the tribes, in other words, a Gentile, would be incorporated into the family, the covenant, um, out of their own desire and the welcome from, the, from God's people. Baptism was the ceremony that they used in order to sort of symbolize the, this person washing away their Gentile past and joining in this new relationship with the, the covenant people, the Jewish people. So that had been the, the purpose for baptism until John. So in the days preceding our story, this man John had been causing a stir throughout the land as a new prophet of God with a whole new purpose for baptism. John's message was that God was about to do something world-altering. Uh, and the way for God's people, all of God's people, to acknowledge their desire to be a part of thing, because for those who were already part of the covenant family, they figured they were already, already in. It was already okay. But John was saying, no, this is going to be such a big thing that we all need to be prepared. And the way to show that you want to, to be involved in this is through baptism. It was a way of declaring that even though 
they were God's people, they knew that they hadn't always been again. And people responded to John's message in mass. Uh, the Gospels talk about, and I'm sure it's a little bit of hyperbole, but the, they, they talk about the whole of Israel journeying out to the Jordan to be baptized by John to, to do what it was that they heard God was asking them to do. So in our story, when Jesus shows up, John doesn't understand why Jesus wants to be baptized. John already knew, uh, for a variety of reasons, John already knew of Jesus, who Jesus was, and John believed that Jesus was unique. In fact, John believed that somehow this world altering, this whole new thing that God was going to be doing in the world, centered on Jesus himself. John may have not understood everything about who Jesus was, but John knew that Jesus was already set right with God, was already in communion with God, and didn't personally need to be set right through baptism. And that's why we hear uh, in verse 14, when John comes out, or when Jesus comes out to John, John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. What are, what are you doing coming to me to be baptized? But Jesus responds and says, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John said, okay. Essentially, Jesus is saying that if this is what God is asking people to do, this is what God wants from all of God's people. Jesus is saying, I am one of God's people. And so I am going to be a part of this. I am going to do it also because this is what God wants. In the bigger scheme, Jesus is identifying himself with all of humanity here in this moment and doing whatever it is that God is asking people to do. And this is what Jesus did for humanity throughout not only his whole life, but even his death. Jesus did for us what none of us could ever do ourselves fully. And that is Jesus lived in complete communion with God and did what God desired of humanity always. And in doing that, Jesus became our representative humanity to God. Jesus represented us and all of humanity to God, having lived a full human life and death in complete communion with God. What happens here when Jesus is baptized is he is identifying with us with all human beings. Now here's the, the world-altering part of Jesus being baptized on our behalf. When we are baptized, we are incorporated into his identity. 
When we hear God's voice come from heaven and proclaim um, in verse 17, this is my son, my child, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. When we hear that voice, we are incorporated into that same family love and delight from God. That's what Paul uh, reminds us of in this New Testament passage. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For God chose us in him, in Christ, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in their sight. In love, God predestined us to be adopted as God's children through Christ in accordance with God's pleasure and will to the praise of God's glorious grace, which God has freely given us in the one they love. In Jesus, we have redemption through, it says here, through his blood, but in, in the scriptures, that means the wholeness of his life and death. We have redemption through his life and death, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace and love that God lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. This is the foundation of everything that we believe. God loves us and delights in us as God's children. We are God's children. That is our identity. That's first and foremost. And then, just as it did for Jesus, that identity gives us purpose in life. Our Hebrew First Testament passage helps us. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. Notice how that's almost exactly uh, our gospel passage with Jesus being baptized. Um, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. Uh, the heaven was open and the spirit came down on him like a dove. And a voice said, this is my son whom I love in whom I am well pleased. These are, again, so almost the exact same uh, words and actions that begin both of these. This is the pronouncement first of identity, of who Jesus is and who we are. The fact of who we are in God's established reality always comes first. We are God's beloved children. We don't earn that. Uh, that is God's gift to us in Christ. And then from that identification comes our purpose. And that's when it goes on. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. And notice again the, the peacefulness of the way in which this justice will be brought. It's not a violent um, over, overpowering. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. 
In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged until he establishes justice on earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. In his ways, uh, the islands will put their hope. Justice and hope. This is the purpose that arises out of Jesus' identity as God's son, as God, the child of God, and ours as well. Of course, this is primarily Jesus' purpose. Um, Jesus is the one who truly accomplishes all of this, justice and hope. And yet, because we are incorporated into him, because through our sacrament of Holy Communion, we become a part of his life, embodied in him, because his identity is our identity, his purpose becomes our purpose as well. And that is why we are about to hold this ceremony of ordination and installation for a ruling elder or ruling elders of this congregation. As a gathering of uh, members of the body of Christ in this particular place, our reason for being at all is twofold. One, to remind one another of our identity as children of Christ, of, of God, that we are loved and we are God's children. That's part of the reason that we are here, and that's always first. And it is also to be helpers of Christ's work in bringing justice and hope to the world. Every single one of us are a part of that work together. Biblically, some persons in each congregation are asked to take specific positions of leadership with specific tasks. But every single one of us has a part in this work of bringing justice and hope to the world. And in order to keep ourselves from self-righteousness in all of this, in the traditional way of establishing elders in the Presbyterian denomination, we do two things. First, we always hold the ordination and installation after the reading of scripture. God's words to us always come first. Then we respond as well as we are able to. God proclaims first, this is who you are. You are my beloved children. And then everything we do flows out of that, out of response from that. So God's word comes first and then our response. Second is, as you will see in a moment, Elders are ordained and installed with prayer invoking the Holy Spirit. Just as the Spirit descended like a dove on Jesus in our story to reveal that God was at work even in that moment, even though Jesus was fully human and fully divine, there was this representation of this is the work of God and the Holy Spirit guiding even within Jesus. 
And so our prayer of ordination reminds us that none of our work, in God's name especially, is of any worth unless we are allowing God's spirit to work within us, to guide us and lead us. It's God's spirit who will guide all people into true justice and hope. So in this moment of Jesus's baptism, his identity and his purpose are revealed. And because of what he does for us and brings us into his life and into his body, our identity and purpose flow from that. And that's why, rather than going into the hymn right after this message, we are going to go right into the ordination and installation of uh, our ruling elders.